This is Clayton for Podcast Radio Business. We're joined by Jane Grattan, Head of Policy at the British Chambers of Commerce. And we're here to discuss why we're overlooking the hidden talent pool as the UK skills gap remains high. Thank you for joining us, Jane. Nice to be here. Thank you. Thank you. So, Jane, please tell us more about your role as Head of Policy at the British Chambers of Commerce. So... The British Chambers of Commerce has 53 Chambers of Commerce across the UK, and they provide business support and representation for businesses in local communities. So we're we're looking after the interests of place-based businesses, businesses in local communities who employ local people. And we are the national voice of those Chambers of Commerce uh, in Westminster. And so in my role, I look at all of the issues that affect businesses around employing people and upskilling them and reskilling for the jobs we have today and in the future. How prevalent are the skills shortages within those businesses and in the UK, according to this latest business barometer report? We've just produced a survey with the Open University. We surveyed just under 1,300 businesses across the UK. So there's businesses of all sizes, all sectors. And we asked them about their skill shortages. And three in four, 73% said they couldn't find the skills they needed for the job opportunities they had at the present time. And that is really worrying. Some said they couldn't even get enough candidates coming to apply for those jobs. And sometimes where candidates were applying, there was a mismatch between the skills they could offer and the skills that the job needed. Was the feedback you were getting businesses were who were quite frustrated at the situation, would you say? They're extremely worried and the sorts of uh, skills gaps we have at the moment are from very skilled, highly skilled technical engineers through to professional services, managers, crafts, trades, clerical and and administrative. And it's all skill levels within that. So it it is a massive concern. These skills shortages are pervasive. The results are very similar to the survey that we did last year. So, So it shows that things aren't improving and that we really do need to take some steps you know, as a business community and as government as well to, to solve it. Now, there's been some mention of this word of a hidden talent pool. Can you explain what that means? The way that we look at this is there are lots of people in the workforce who would really like a job. They would like to, to come and work and, and take advantage of these job opportunities, but they're experiencing barriers for all sorts of reasons. It might be that they struggle at the interview stage, maybe because they are from a um, from the neurodiverse community where they may struggle with communication or they may take longer to process information. But once they are in a job and in the right job, they have so much talent and enthusiasm to offer that it's it's unfortunate that businesses are overlooking you know their potential. And it could be that there are parents who um, are struggling because of childcare issues to to find work and need more flexible options. There can be people from um, ethnic minorities who again, for all sorts of reasons, may struggle to find the work that they want in the area that they want because of just some reasonable adjustments that might need to be made just to make life easier for them to to get into the roles that they're looking for. So what we're saying is there are lots of groups of people, whether they have a physical disability or whether they have other circumstances that make it difficult for them to work in a nine-to-five traditional role or whether they find it difficult to travel to work, or whatever the barrier might be, businesses are losing out on this talent. And even people who are within the workplace, 
They might think, businesses might think, I can't find the skills to fill these vacancies. But there are so many people already working for us that we don't really recognize that they've got all these skills already that we have that we that we're just overlooking. So what can we do to train people to identify people, engage them, get them enthused about learning again, um, get them involved in an apprenticeship or some on the job, other on the job training that means that actually we can pull out all of their potential and fill our jobs and create new jobs for other people to come into the company. Because obviously you mentioned existing staff, and I wanted to ask, in addition to the skill shortages, what are the other effects on existing staff that are reported in the Business Barometer report? The impact of skill shortages is really quite severe for the economy and for individual businesses. So we asked, what is the impact on you as an organisation? Many businesses said they, they weren't able to operate profitably. They couldn't fulfil their existing order books. They couldn't take on new work. They were turning business away. And that was very, very frustrating. If you think, for example, a hotel where maybe they can't find cleaning staff to to service their rooms, they can't then open those rooms. And so they're having to turn business away. There's a big shortage of chefs, for example. So restaurants are telling us they, they can't operate. They can't open their restaurant all week or, you know, they can only open part of their restaurant or for part of the time. But one of the biggest impacts of the survey was the impact on the existing staff, those people who are having to take on this additional workload because of the skills shortages, because of the lack of people in the organisation, and very severe impacts on their health and and mental health and, and well-being. And of course, this then feeds into the retention issue where they say, I no longer want to work here because it's too stressful. And then the company has a more... Um, difficult problem because they have to go out to recruitment for even more positions. So it's um, it is a, a very difficult situation. It's come about for all sorts of reasons: probably Brexit, the pandemic, um, war in Ukraine, cost of living crisis. All of these issues all coming together in this sort of perfect storm that's basically led to a shortage of skills and a shortage of of labour in the economy. We really need to do to find a way of business and government and training providers and individuals all working together to get these jobs filled. And that's the hardest bit because obviously you've also got the potential of an ageing workforce that are retiring without adequate replacement. Absolutely. More businesses this year, when we surveyed them, said that they were they had more people over the age of 50 in their workplace. And the concern there is that people may beginning be thinking about retiring soon and businesses don't have the skills to replace them. So that's that's the major concern for businesses. And again, it's how do we support businesses to change their working practices, their workplace practices uh, and their recruitment and retention practices to encourage people to stay and work for longer? So we know during the pandemic that Lots of people started working from home. And since then, we've had people continuing to work from home and more of a hybrid working. But many people are, you know, they're caring for older relatives as they get into their 50s as well. So, you know, and maybe they want a, a more of a balanced lifestyle. So we're doing what we can to support employers to think about um, more flexible working. And that's not just working from home. But it's about, you know, offering part-time working, different types of shift patterns, um, just different ways that people can work. They still get the job done 
Um, but it just means that they can balance all of their home commitments and their work commitments and then any health concerns that they might have as well. It all just means that they can get the best out of all these talent pools and get the jobs done and, and help businesses to be productive and successful. In relation to workers over 50, were you able to establish how many organisations have specific initiatives in place in times of the report? Again, this is a, a major concern and partly because lots of businesses, lots of small businesses don't have the internal resources, the HR specialisms within, the, you know, within their organisation to actually think through different initiatives that, that could help them to attract and retain staff. So we know that very few organisations, I think probably about um, certainly less than half, of the organisations we, we contacted had any sort of initiative in place to support um, hidden those hidden talent pools, um, the different needs of individuals within the organisation. So again, we, we have a lot of work to do to help businesses think about sometimes just very small adjustments that actually help everybody in the workplace. And it's just thinking flexibly, a can-do attitude and doing everything we can to help people, you know, do their best, achieve what they can, progress in their careers, whatever their circumstances. So what should organisations and businesses be doing to address these issues? One of the first things they can do is to speak to their local chamber of commerce. These are organisations in your local business community that is there to help. So they can share best practice, what other businesses are doing, other ideas. They can help you to access information. They can come up with more ideas for you and help you to see through problems. So there's business mentoring, for example, where, where a business mentor can come and talk about your issues. There's also a new initiative that's come through this year, the Local Skills Improvement Plan. And this is basically where we've recognised that there are gaps in skills at the local level. And these LSIPs, we call them, are bringing together employers and training providers and skills funders in the local area to say, what are the jobs that businesses are uh, creating now? Where, where are the, the gaps that we have now in skills? And what are we creating in the future? You know, as workplaces become more digital, more automated, the net zero imperative changes the sorts of knowledge that businesses need from their workforce, the knowledge and skills. So we're saying, what, what are these industry trends? Where are the jobs of the future? What skills do we need for those jobs? And how do we make sure as a local business community that we are training people to be ready for those jobs? We can make sure we've got the right training courses now, and that the, the right content now and that in the future, people will have all of the skills we need to make us successful in our local business community and give opportunities to everybody who wants to work. You mentioned your work at the British Chambers of Commerce. And what I wanted to touch on, because I wanted to move a little bit slightly towards your work there. Can you tell us about the global business network of the British Chambers of Commerce and how that benefits exporters? Ah, okay. So yes, yeah, so we have um, 53 chambers of commerce in the UK and overseas, uh, we have over 70 British chambers of commerce in markets all the way around the globe. And this is fantastic because it means that businesses who want to trade internationally can connect with these other chambers of commerce overseas and connect with those business communities and identify business opportunities, 
network, create relationships, find information about their their local markets, you know, in, in these uh, uh, these overseas countries. So it's fantastic, but it also means that we can share best practice on a global basis. So very often our, our overseas chambers will look to the UK at some of the you know the great practices that we have over here, the what businesses are doing, the fantastic innovation that our companies are creating. But equally, we can also learn from the very best around the globe. So I think businesses being involved with their local chamber, they can get help, practical help locally on their doorstep about how to export, you know, how to get through the paperwork um, and any legal requirements they need for exporting, how to make sure they get paid on time. But also um, they've got access to this global network of businesses who are really keen to do business with us. Are you in a position effectively to make introductions? Yes, yes. So if you come to, if a business approaches its local chamber of commerce, experts there will be able to um, give you all the advice you need and make introductions to those overseas chambers. Oh, brilliant. Excellent. So, I mean, that should be helpful for a lot of our podcast radio business listeners who want to continue to expand around the world. So that's fantastic news. So where can our podcast radio business listeners go to read the report and find more information? So the report will be available on the British Chambers of Commerce website, uh, britishchambers.org.uk. Um, and on that website as well, you'll find all sorts of other um, resources about um, supporting you with uh, attracting and retaining skilled people in the workplace. So the BCC at a national level, we work with governments um, on shaping policy to make sure it works for and, and the best interests of the business community. So Jane Gratton, Head of Policy at British Chambers of Commerce, thank you for joining us on Podcast Radio Business. Thank you. You're most welcome.